Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I want to first of all say sorry for those that were looking forward to a live version, audio stream of this week's show, but due to some technical difficulties and Spectrum Internet continuing to be a pain in the butt, uh, no live stream of the show, but I am here bringing you at Talking Sports with Evan here today, and going to be a couple things, main focus going to be um, Packer recap from the Seattle Seahawks victory, 17-0 win over the Seahawks, Russell Wilson's first time in his career being shut out, um, and the Packers do it to improve to 8-2. and two. I'm going to be previewing Packers versus Vikings and kind of giving you my key Things I'm uh, my keys to the game, things I'm confident about, and things that I'm a little nervous about about the game as well. Packers shareholders uh, imp- uh, got more members this past week as the Packers stock sale took effect, and lots have been discussed regarding that. And I'm going to give my thoughts on the Packer shareholders and process of that, and why I think it's stupid to. Criticize the people that are deciding to spend the money on stock because as I've commented before and I'll comment again I don't have I don't question or criticize how other people spend their money as long as it's something that is legal so With that said First thing Packer shareholder. That's what I'm going to start with so Packers decided to sell stock another stock sale first one since 2011 this one $300 for a Packer shareholder and $35 processing fee, and you get be a Packer shareholder for $335. So when the Packers announced that they were likely going to do it again, we saw all the common talking morons, talking idiots that were criticizing people that would actually buy Packer stock, saying that it's not an actual stock, you don't get any dividends from it, you can't sell it, you can't trade it. It's basically just the Packers giving you a piece of paper that costs $300. Well, a couple things there. First of all, majority, super majority of the people buying Packer shares already know that. They already know what they're buying. They're buying memorabilia to show that I invested in my team to help my team do what they have to do to help stay in Green Bay. They already know that they're not going to get money from this stock. They already know that they don't have any actual ownership rights as a, a stockholder typically would. It's not about that. It's about the the pride of having some... Um, you know, something invested into your team. You know, same people that spend $330 on an NFL jersey, um, same thing. Instead, you just have some uh, paper you can post to your wall, and you also get some other perks as being a Packers shareholder. And like I said, the, the talking heads across the, the national media talking about, and some local, talking about how people are idiots for wanting to do this. Well, Here's why they're not idiots. So Packers need to make some uh, improvements at Lambeau Field. Mainly they want to improve the scoreboard. So a team needs some money, extra money, than that they already have in the, their books to do it. What are they, What are their, like the Minnesota Vikings, who the Packers are playing, or the Seattle Seahawks, who they just played? What are their options? Their options are, let's approach the city, let's approach the county, let's approach the state, and maybe we can raise taxes. Um, 
raise the sales tax a little bit, raise the sin tax a little bit, whatever. That is their option. The Packers, on the other hand, they can do a stock sale, raise $90 million, and the only people actually paying for the renovations that need to be done at Lambeau are the people that actually want to. So the Packers do not have to approach the state. They do not have to approach the county. They do not have to approach the cities and say, hey, we need some money to help make Lambeau Field continue to be an enjoyable experience for the 80,000 people that come to every single home game. They don't have to do, they, they just do the stock sale and they raise the money they need. They did it 10 years ago. I think it was 97. They did it before that. And it, it works because there's enough people out there that want to buy it. And I, again, and the other issue too is we just saw the Staples Center getting renamed. Um, Miller Park just got renamed American Family Field. We see stadium names change all the time. Well, the reason why teams do that is they need to raise revenue sometimes. And these naming rights deals is a way to raise revenue. But the, the Packers have their gates named. Those are the naming rights they sell. And you think about it too, Packers need to raise some revenue instead of selling the naming rights to Lambeau Field to make it David Gruber Stadium or Northwestern Mutual Insurance uh, uh, Field. Instead of doing that and then having like a 20-year deal where you get like 6 or $7 million a year, Packers are going to get $90 million by February. So, so they can get the, the revenue pretty much immediately by putting the stock sale out there. So a couple things you avoid from having to do when you can sell a piece of paper with $300 is you don't have to go about what other teams need to do in order to make revenue and make improvements to their field stadium or stadium. So, and then the last point, as I mentioned before I kind of went into this, I'm not telling other people how to spend their money. If people want to spend their money on this or a um, few years back, it was a Brett Favre autograph signing when there are, uh, the place was charging an arm and a leg for it. If people want to spend their own money, let them. Who are you to care how I spend my money? I just bought an A.J. Dillon jersey. That's my money. I don't care what you think of me buying an A.J. Dillon jersey. I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care if you think it's stupid. I like A.J. Dillon. I want to support A.J. Dillon. So that, that that's what I look at there. So moving on, as I don't have a ton of time to bring you the show, but now moving on to Packers versus Seattle. And Packers beat Seattle 17 to nothing. Um, Russell Wilson shut out for the first time in his NFL career as a quarterback. And he had 161 yards on 40 attempts and two interceptions, completing 50% of his passes. And I, I bring that up because now you look at the running game, 10 carries for 41 yards for Collins. Um, receiving game, Gerald Everett, tight end, eight catches for 63 yards, 7.9 yards per catch. DK Metcalf, their big play guy, three for 26, averaging 8.7 yards a catch. And Tyle Locker, two for 23, averaging 11.5 yards per catch. That's their big, those are their big guns on offense. Metcalf, Lockert, Wilson, those are their big guns. And the Packers are able to shut down 
the Seattle offense, and I know it was Wilson's first, Wilson's first game back since fracturing his finger, but the Packers' defense played an outstanding game, did not allow Seattle to have a big play, and had two interceptions as well, Adrian Amos and Kevin King. And Kevin King's questionable. Did he actually have possession or not? You know, it, it, it depends. If they say he made a football move before going to the ground, then it's a catch. And I think that is how they ruled it. And, you know, the Packers' defense got tons of pressure on Wilson and made his day a living hell. And those are things that the Packers' defense is uh, doing extremely well. Aaron Rodgers, 23-37 for 292 and a very bad interception. Um, he, was not, he was less than sharp at times in his return from dealing with COVID and really not practicing for two weeks. But he, he also did enough to get the Packers to win. He had... Two carries for eight yards, but he should have had four for um, a lot more, but two of them got called back due to a uh, holding calls on Jenkins, and I forget who I think I forget who else got the other one. AJ Dillon, shining, 21 carries, 66 yards, two touchdowns. Jones, seven for 25. Devontae, seven for 78. Dillon also had two catches for 62 yards, and Jones, four for 61. MVS won for 41. So the Packers attempted early on to try to beat the uh, beat the team deep with Lazard, with MVS, and it wasn't working. So the Packers found a, a weakness in Seattle's defense. And Jones, four catches for 61 yards. Most of those are on quick screen, uh, screen passes or dump-offs to Jones. And he dropped one that would have went probably for, for a touchdown. And they found that weakness in the offense after realizing that going deep was not going to, I mean, the weakness in the defense after realizing going deep was not going to work. So they did the check down screen game to Jones, and then Jones unfortunately sprained his MCL, started doing the same with A.J. Dillon. Um, You know, it wasn't a pretty win, but it was a win. You know, it it was a win. It was a team that you're, you're used to playing every single year, teams that you you're kind of familiar with each other. So there's going to be some chess playing going on that comes down to figuring out, you know, what you can do against this team that knows you pretty well. And for the Packers, it turned out being let's throw it short to Devante, Dylan Jones, put the ball in their hands and let them do the rest. So the offense, they ended up putting in place work. The deep stuff stopped, wasn't working. So fine, let's do the dink and dunks and let our playmakers make plays. And that's exactly what we saw. And the offensive line did, did it pretty good. Newman played better than he has in the past few weeks. And basic, But ultimately, the Packers need to get better up front on offense. If they want to get the offense back to what it was a year ago, they have to get better play from their center and guards. And Runyon I like, but he can improve he could improve. And Newman needs to take a step forward. I know he's only a rookie, but Newman is one of the weak weak links on this offensive line and he just he needs to play better. And who knows when Bakhtiari's coming back. He's not playing against Seattle I mean, against Minnesota this week. Who knows if he'll be ready for the Rams next week. And who knows when he'll be back after the bye if he doesn't come back for the Rams next week. Who knows when Bakhtiari's coming back? So the offensive line the Packers have right now, that's what you have. That is what you have as an offensive line, and you have to find a way to make it work with what you have because, again, you can't rely on 
David Bakhtiari coming back, in my opinion, this season. Will he? I think he will. But you can't put all your eggs in that one basket and say, hey, things are going to get better when he comes back. You have to find ways to make it better now. And that I trust Matt LaFleur. I know he he didn't do a lot in that Kansas City game to warrant that trust. But I trust that Matt LaFleur is going to design the offense to work against, you know, work for the the strength of the Packers. That that that's what I believe. And it's going to be a lot of A.J. Dillon moving forward. It's going to be a lot of probably Devontae Adams moving forward. And with Al- Alan Lazard doubtful for Sunday, we could have a, uh, a big game from either St. Brown or MVS here. I think more St. Brown because he does more similar to what Lazard does with the blocking and the you know, playing close to the line of scrimmage, um, being able to get open, things like that. So, you know, that's what I think is going to come down to. So before I do move on to the Packers-Vikings, and been hearing this conversation all week, and it's kind of going to be a perfect segue into Packers-Vikings. Um, why is the Packers defense playing so well? You know, the Joe Barry hire when it happened was a head-scratcher. I took the position of, okay, not not really who I would have hired, but let's see what happens. Let's see how it works out. And after week one, it did not look like it was going to work out. Um, Joe Barry um, defense did not play well week one. They got picked apart. They got destroyed. And my reaction there was, okay, it was one week. Let's see how it plays out. Let's see what happens moving forward and see how it plays out. And the defense every week has been getting better. And the second half in that game against the Saints, the defense did play better. It was just too little too late at that portion of the game. But the question is, why is the defense playing so much better when you have pretty much the similar talent than what you had in Mike Penton's final year? And you're missing key all-pro guys in... Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander. You're missing those key guys. So how is it that as a defense, you're getting better every single week? And a couple things that I've kind of noticed watching um, the Packer games this year. There were lots of times last year and the years prior where guys would get beat deep and they throw their hands up looking around like who screwed up. Like it looked like they were not communicating it looked like they were not sure of when to pass guys off to another. They weren't playing sound gap control football. I guess an example I want to use is last year against the Indianapolis Colts, there was a play where you had Sullivan and King both went to the same zone, leaving, I want to say, Pittman wide open, and Pittman had a big game because there was, I think one was supposed to pass them off to the other. Instead, they all, both went to the exact same zone. You're not seeing that this year. When they do pass guys off from zone to zone, for the most part, guys are where they're supposed to be. They're communicating better. You're not having communication breakdowns all over the place or in the back end of the, the defense. Amos and Savage are playing extremely good football right now. That's one of the big things that's helping this team. And the other thing is Campbell. They have a middle linebacker 
that can cover and attack the running game in Campbell, and Chris Barnes is becoming a better football player for it. He's starting to learn the the uh, the you know the, the what Campbell does. I think it's starting to rub off on Chris Barnes, and Barnes has played really well, really good football the last couple weeks. So that's key. And then on the defensive line, Dean Lowry's been playing strong. Um, Lancaster, shocking, shockingly, have been playing strong. And Kenny Clark has been playing great football. And the other big thing is, up front especially, guys are playing their responsibilities. They're playing their role. They understand what their role on this defense is, and they're executing it. They're not trying to do too much. They're not trying to do what the other guy next to them is supposed to do. An example I mean for that is last year's Minnesota game with uh, – Kiki Kingsley at uh, Nose, he beats his guy, has a clear shot at Delvin Cook, and decides to leave his gap and go after him. He misses the tackle, and now because he didn't make the tackle, he left his gap, he didn't make the tackle, he left a wide-open gap for Cook to go through and get a huge game. You're not seeing that this year. You're not seeing guys leave their responsibility to try to make a play and be a hero. Um, tackling is also significantly better. Guys are tackling. Um, they're not lunging at people. They're not ducking their heads. They're swarming to the football and getting the guy down. And that's a big improvement from the past few years under both Capers and Patton. Which my comments shift right into the Vikings because the Vikings do worry me. and a lot of people are just like, eh, it's the Vikings, they suck, who cares, Kirk Cousins, who cares? But there are some elements with this Viking team that worries me, okay? The Vikings' defense doesn't worry me too much. I think the Packers' offense should be able to move the football against this defense. Um, Dylan should have a pretty strong game, and I think we're going to see an offensive coming-out party with Rodgers finding Devontae, um, left and right against this not-so-good Minnesota secondary. The thing that worries me most is the Vikings' offense. And yes, the Packers' defense has been playing great football since week one. But if you also look at since week one, outside of uh, Montgomery against the Bears, the Packers have not played a running back quite like Delvin Cook since week one. Um, Delvin Cook is a complete back. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. Um, he's also extremely patient, so he will wait until the last possible second to make his cut in the running game. So he will suck the entire defense into one spot, and if one guy leaves their lane early to try to, oh, he's not going to cut back now, he's already committed, that's when he'll cut, and that's, that worries me. Alvin Kamara is probably the, uh, the, the last complete back the Packers have played um, and Delvin Cook's a really good running back. And when you have Thielen and Jefferson on the back, on the uh, outside of this offense, who can both take the top off the of defense, now you have to uh, you have to worry about the the, the running back and Cook. Um, you can leave some gaps in the in the in the, the deep passing game, and the secondary is held up up to this point with a lot of injuries. But Jefferson and Thielen are both really good wide receivers. So that's where it worries me a little bit. I think the Vikings are probably going to find some success moving the football against Green Bay. 
um, with how versatile their offense can be. But I also think Kirk Cousins throws a couple uh, near interceptions or interceptions. He's going to put a couple up that are not going to be good throws, and the Packers need to take advantage of it. With that said, I do believe the Packers win this game. I do believe the Packers' offense has their coming-out party, which we've pretty much been waiting for all season long. You know, Packers have uh, scored 30 points twice this entire season, and the past few games they're at 27, 25, 24, 24, 24, 7, 17. We're waiting for this offense to have a coming-out party. I think this is that week, and I – even with the deep of the offense of the Vikings scaring me a little bit, I don't think they can keep up with the Packers' offense when it's running on all cylinders. And I think the Packers beat the Vikings by seven to eight points, and the Packers break 30 for just the third time this season and for the second time since the 49er game. So with that said, I want to thank you all for... I want to thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you all for being a supporter of the show. Please encourage your friends and family to tune in each and every week. Next week's show, I will be doing it, hopefully, assuming my parents' internet works, um, a live stream live from Door County, and hopefully talking about a Packer victory. With that said, I hope you all have a great weekend, and I will talk to you all later.